Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Many, guys, many of the events in Revelation, which we once deemed, we thought, um, these are far-fetched, are actually quite feasible. Many of the things we've studied, we thought, no, no. I draw your attention to, oh, 2019, say December, The world was a much different place. We had freedoms. We had, um, I mean, it was just a, it was just a different place. And now all of a sudden, within the last year and a half, it has rapidly moved to, we can see the pages of scripture actually coming alive. So much so, guys, that there are times when I think I need to stop the Bible study. I need to go back a little bit and show you um, really what's happening in the world. The problem is it can't be recorded and it can't be done Facebook Live. And so what I have to do is I have to invite those who want to hear have to come to church. It's that important. And so um, that's something that I'm wrestling with the Lord about. Lord, what do you want to do this? What do you want to see? How do I, how do I warn the people? You see, again, Revelation here is a book of unveiling Jesus, and and there are some crazy things in there. For example, think of the idea of some sort of Armageddon, if you will. Okay, this fire in or fire and brimstone or this nuclear event. That's not hard to imagine today, is it? It's not hard to think the armies of the world, there's so much unrest going on. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, I looked this up, and the word Armageddon is only mentioned once in the Bible. Only once in the Bible. But the word judge is used 188 times. The word judgment is used 190 times. The word judgments is 122 times. If we were to look at the word angel, it's used over 300 times, and the word harvest is used 71 times in the word of God. Now, I know what you're thinking, Ben, why all the, why, why all these words? I mean, we talked about Armageddon one time, but these, Lord, it seems like judge, judgment, judges, angel, harvest. I mean, what's, what's going on? Well, all of these that I just mentioned to you actually covered, right? And they converge in this portion of scripture tonight. All of these words, whether it's harvest, or judgment, and you go, I'm, okay, Ben, you've lost me. What, what does that mean exactly? You ready? Jot this down if you're taking note. It means the leniency of God is over. The leniency of God is over. Now, let me give you a timeline, okay? Where we are right here in chapter 14, I want you to take your remote and fast forward to the very end of the tribulation. The very end of the tribulation. Okay? We're at the end of the seven years. You know all of this that is going on. Now, I have to kind of go back and uh, remind you what we were talked about. Okay? 
Remember what we've been talking about. Last week, we talked about three angels, okay? John seen in a vision, three angels. And the first angel, guys, was just so cool because after we've seen the 144,000 Jewish uh, Billy Grahams going out and evangelizing, after we've seen the two witnesses just, just preaching the gospel, that's not enough. The Lord says, I'm going to send an angel to the heavens and I'm going to proclaim the gospel, And that is key to our belief. And you go, why? Because if the church was supposed to go through the tribulation, then we would be the ones proclaiming and preaching the gospel, even if it, what, meant death. You go, why would you say that? Because I think about the apostles. I think about all of them, how they were, they were literally crucified, they were killed, they were stabbed. All except John. And I think, wow. But he's not. The church is going to be enjoying it. And, and here's this angel, man. Here's this one, and he's proclaiming the gospel. He's preaching salvation. I don't know which more, what much more people want than an angel witnesses people on the news covering what? The gospel. Repent. Turn and get saved. And yet, there'll still be a lot of people, Robert, that go, nah. I'm good. I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it. The second angel comes down in that chapter we talked about, guys, and it was proclaiming doom. And it kept saying, Babylon has fallen, Babylon has fallen, that great city has fallen. And here's what we talked about, guys. We talked about the angel proclaiming doom on a system of the final kingdom of the Antichrist. And you go, what system? Well, it refers to the political and religious system of Babylon. And it also refers to the literal city of Babylon, which has been rebuilt. So you got to keep that in mind. Okay? And then the third angel, it was predicting judgment. The angel predicts damnation to all of those who worship the Antichrist and receives his mark. You go, what's the number? Well, we know it's a human number. It's 666. It's going to be either on the right hand or the forehead. Guys, listen to me. We are not far-fetched from that time. We're not too far from that time. What scares me is there are so many people who kind of are still playing around with God. And they're not surrendering. They're not walking with Jesus. They're not wanting to be his disciple. They still want to flirt with the world. They still want to dance with the world. And yet the Lord is saying, it's time. It's time. Get ready. And what we learned last week, guys, that those who take the mark are going to be eternally damned forever. But it's not going to be one of those things where they go, hey, Alex, you want to do this? Hey, man, if you take the mark, your life will be a lot better. You'll get that great job. They're going to force you to either take it or die. That's the seriousness of Scripture. And right now, you can see with everything we've been through, this system being set up so people will automatically go, yes, 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 I want it. What did Jesus tell us in Matthew 24? He said, listen to me. When the end comes, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Everybody's looking for earthquakes, and they're looking for this, and they're looking for... Don't be deceived. It's easy to be deceived. 
It's easy to be deceived. Hey, take this and you'll live. Just take this mark. What are some of the things that we would probably encounter if we were watching? I think somebody told me the other day, hey, I would love, I want to go to heaven, but I sure would like to be a fly on the wall to see these things. And, and, and here's probably what we would encounter, okay? It's not going to hurt anybody. I need to provide for my children. I need to, well, the government knows best. I mean, what are some of the, again, we see this. And yet the word of God declares, and if we take nothing else, the person who does this will drink the wrath of God full strength. That's why pastors should be preaching from the pulpit, please repent, it's time to turn to God. Listen, we cannot, we should not be preaching a watered-down, popular gospel. Lubbock, Texas, the city I love, is the second most conservative city probably in all of the United States is what I heard. And yet, the people I love, there's people who go, huh? Oh, well, well, no, I'm a Christian. And I'm going, please, imagine what we could do if we were fully sold out to the Lord. Now, as we, as we recap last week, what did we do? We previewed God's gospel air force, the fall of Babylon, and the horror awaits those who take the mark. But we also saw the blessings of those who don't. Okay? Now, beginning in verse 14, here's what we're going to see today. A final preview, guys, of Armageddon. Okay? And what Armageddon does, if you're taking note, it refers to the battle that will take place when the Antichrist will gather the forces of the world to do battle against Jesus Christ. So we have this happening now. Okay, you, you, you kind of, you can kind of see a little bit happening right now. But today, in verses 14 through 20, we discover that this will be his the Antichrist, his last attempt to stop the establishment of the kingdom of Jesus Christ on earth. Do you realize that that's what he has been doing all of these years? As you and I get saved, we are to proclaim the gospel, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's our job. Wow, how so? Wait a minute, I'm not called to be a preacher. What do you mean? What I mean is by the way we live, we're proclaiming that we are under a different rule now. We're not under the rule of our own selfishness and our own hearts. We're under the rule of Jesus. I live and serve Jesus. And that proclaims the kingdom. Well, the enemy wants to stop you. Well, I can't, I, I can't stop him. I can't, I can't. They're in heaven. They're saved. But you know what I can do is I can shelve them and their work and I can cease that. I can put them and I can get them so far down they won't even know what they're doing. How does he do it? How does he do it? Well, he attacks us individually. He attacks us individually. 
He comes up against us and he says, hey, listen, this, and he starts to throw these fiery darts that we learn about into our minds and gives us to cause doubt on who God is. That's a fiery dart. That, oh, wait a minute, is God, if God's really God, then why? Another way he does this, guys, is he'll come through marriages. Listen to me. He's going to attack your marriages. He's going to attack your marriages. He's going to throw these fiery darts and get you guys to just be so focused and, and, and fall apart that, that you once served the Lord so passionately, now you don't know which side is up. He wants to do that. I love that God is always there, but the problem is, is that, is that if we let our guard down for just a moment, he's going to come in and he wants to destroy lives. He wants to destroy lives. Today, guys, today, this is his last attempt. This is right here, his last attempt. Now, when we get to chapter 19, guys, we'll study Armageddon in greater detail, okay? And this will be when the Antichrist comes and actually, guys, actually um, gathers all the remaining forces, if you will, and the follow and his followers, and he's going to come to Israel. Now, if you have gone with Israel, if you've gone with us Israel before, we actually stand upon Mount Carmel, and we look down into the Valley of Megiddo. You can actually see the crossroads where this is going to take place. It blows your mind. It's so beautiful, but here is where the Armageddon is going to take place, right there. And it's so amazing. And we realize that there's going to be this great battle because Joel actually prophesied back in his day. The book of Joel, chapter 3, verse 12 through 16 says this. He writes, let the nations be wakened and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat. That's the, that's Megiddo. You guys got that, right? The valley of Jezreel. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put a sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, their wickedness is great. Multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. Same valley. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon will go dark. The stars will diminish their brightness. 16. The Lord will also roar from Mount Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Let's keep that up on the board for just a second. Here's what I want you to see. Josh, if we can go back to verse 12 for just a second. Look at this. Let the nations be wakened and come to the valley. That's the same valley. Now, here's what I want you to see. For I will sit and judge the surrounding nations and put a sickle. Now, he's going to say the harvest is ripe. You got that? And he says, come, go down, for the wine press is full, the vats overflow. Why? Their wickedness is great. Now, you need to understand. So he's talking about two judgments here or two harvests. Okay, the harvest is ripe and the wine press. That's going to lead into what we're talking about. Okay? 
And so what he's talking about, guys, is that this, in the valley of decision, is the valley of Megiddo. This is where, again, where we get the battle of Armageddon. It's very important you know this, and you go, why? Because every time there was a conflict in Israel, every time there was something, some sort of war, we all raised our hand. Is this the valley of Armageddon? Is this the battle of Armageddon? No, it's not. This is going to be amazing, Okay? You see, Armageddon is actually its name found in chapter 16, verse 16, only one time. But they use the term Megiddo. Megiddo is the ancient hill in the valley west of the valley of Jezreel, between Samaria and Galilee. And it's appointed the place where the armies of the beast and the false prophet will be destroyed Christ descending his glory, here the Lord will come and crush them like grapes. Can I give praise to the Lord? He's God. He's amazing. I don't know. I'm going to take a sidestep for just a moment. But how many of you ever feel like God is silent in your life? You feel like, man, I just wish I, if you would just speak to me, God, if you could just show up. Listen, I would believe even more if you would walk through those doors and just show yourself real, God, please. And a lot of times we feel like he is silent in our lives. And yet God is still on the throne and he's got a plan and he's going to execute his plan. Now. I need to give you some background, guys. I kind of started here. I'm going to set the stage, okay? I, I've entitled this message, if you're taking note, it's harvest time. It's harvest time because the Lord speaks about harvesting the earth. Now, Robert, when we think of harvesting, we think, oh, great. You know, we're going to, but, but let me give you a description, okay? Let me give you a description, okay? Because listen, church, in, in biblical times, people lived off the land, didn't they? And many of the feasts of Israel were agricultural. You understand that. So it's not surprising that Jesus, his parables were often earthly or agriculture. He would often say, a farmer goes out to sow a seed. Everybody goes, oh yeah, that's because that's what they do here. We understand that, okay? So Jesus used this. But the harvest significance today is a little bit different than biblical times. Why? Because many Christians today think harvest time has to do with gathering of people or to evangelize. We need to harvest. Hey, so if the harvest is, let's go. But we need to remember chapter 9 of Matthew chapter 9. Now, if you join us on Sunday mornings, we're going through verse by verse in the book of Matthew. We won't get there for a little bit, but let me just kind of give you an overview of chapter 9. I want you to put and wrap your minds around this. Christ, in chapter 9, he heals the paralytic, the, the person there at Capernaum. This is where he calls Matthew. What does he say? Help me out, church. Follow me, right? And we learned from our Matthew study that follow me means please become and commit yourself to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. This is what he says. And then we see that Jesus eats with what? The publicans and the sinners, which... The Pharisees are offended and he vindicates his conduct. The disciples of John come to him and inquire uh, about fasting. A ruler requests to heal his daughter. And on the road to the ruler's house, he heals the diseased woman. Arriving at the ruler's house, he restores the young woman to life. 
In chapter 9, he heals two blind men. He casts out a dumb demon. He preaches the word and miracles in all the city and villages. Guys, in verse 35. It is greatly affected at the desolate and dark state of Jewish people. Notice in verse 36, here's what he says. Matthew 9, 36. Here's where I'm getting it. He says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now, you need to keep that in mind because this is what he's talking about. He's talking about a harvest here, but the harvest in biblical times was a little bit different. Okay, you go, how so? Check this out. The principal meaning of harvest in the Bible is actually judgment. We saw that in Joel. Okay, it's actually judgment. Okay, the idea of reaping what you have sown for those in biblical times, the harvest is considered judgment time. How important is us for us to grasp what Joel said? Then Jesus comes on the scene in Matthew chapter 9. I want you to connect the dots because all of a sudden your heart's going to be overwhelmed by the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus. But biblically, when Joel spoke, it was, help me guys, judgment. Let's say it together. Judgment, okay? Let's try again to make sure you're awake. Okay, half of you are awake. That's good. Good, good, good. So, Jesus comes on, he's going to talk about a harvest of souls, a little bit different, but let's go back, let's go back, okay? Because here's what I want you to see. In the Bible, guys, there are three types of harvest. Jot these down. You have the grain harvest, you have the grape harvest, and the the, the grain and grape harvest are a harvest that we're going to see as the harvest of judgment that is going to take place in the last days at end times. You go, okay, I got that. Where? The Battle of Armageddon, Okay. But for our application, we're going to look at the third harvest. You go, what harvest is that? Well, let's let's talk about them again. We have the grain harvest and we have the grape harvest. These are harvests of judgment, okay? But the third application is the harvest of souls, okay? And that's what Jesus was actually talking about in Matthew chapter 9. So we're going to talk about harvest. We're not about harvest, but where are we? We're right in the middle of the tribulation. God's pouring out his wrath. He's, he's, he's done everything he's possibly good to try to get to the heart of men. And, and they are rejecting God. God has done everything to save people. And somehow men go, nah, I'm good. I'm good. But I love that Jesus goes, okay, for today, there still is a harvest. It's a harvest of souls. Now, at the end of our study, guys, I'm going to have homework for you. So I do need you to take notes, okay? But let's jump into our, let's jump into our our study. Look at Revelation 14, 14 through 16, okay? He says this, here we go. Then I looked and behold, a white cloud and on the cloud is sat one like the son of man. Well, what does he look like? Well, having his head a golden crown and his hand, what does he have, guys? A sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Jesus, thrust your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth, 
and the earth was reaped. Now, let's talk for just a moment. Point number one, let's talk about the grain harvest. Let's talk about the grain harvest, okay? Because this is exactly what he said. John goes, then I looked and I saw, I saw, behold, a white cloud. There he is. And one who sat on the cloud was like the son of man. And on him was a, a, a golden crown and... I mean, I can, can you imagine? This intrigues me because that's what John saw. John saw on him, guys, he saw what? He saw Jesus, and he had a golden crown and a sharp sickle. I wonder if that's all he had time to realize. Oh, look at this. He's got a crown. It must be the Lord. And he's... Now, here's what we need to understand. This is what we call the reaper. Okay? He's about to reap the grain on the earth. You go, what do you mean? Well, who is he? Well, this is none other than Jesus. Okay? How so? Well, if you recall in chapter 1 of Revelation, John describes Jesus as the Son of Man. And now again he goes, oh, the Son of Man. Now, I want to share something with you. I feel like the Lord's putting it in my heart, and then we'll get back to our study. A lot of times when we go through our deepest, darkest trials is really when God reveals himself the most. You need to grasp that. Because John hung out with Jesus. John ate with Jesus. John saw the miracles. But it wasn't until he was on the island of Patmos at the wit's end, at, at basically at the end of all anxiety, and Jesus reveals himself in such a greater way that John realizes that's the Son of Man. And I saw a golden crown on his head. I would wonder if John would raise his hand like a child raises his hand in school and says, you know the only crown I saw in my Jesus was a crown of thorns? That's how I knew him on earth. Oh, maybe when he put on and it was cold in Israel, because it does get cold in Israel. Trust me. But the point I want to make to you guys is that, listen, I don't believe the church is going to go through the tribulation, but that doesn't mean that we won't have tribulation. And what I want you to do is look for Jesus in your trials, in your tribulation. Look for him, because he's going to reveal his greatest heart to you. Pastor Ben, why do Christians suffer? I think because they want to, because the Lord wants them to to, to draw closer to the, to Him. He actually says it. He says, "Listen, we need a glory, and we we need to be with Him, identify with Him in His glory, but also in His suffering." Well, I don't like that part. Let's throw that part out. But let me ask you this: I want you to think about the greatest trial in your life, and I want you to think about the greatest victory. And I think it's the greatest trial in your life. That brought you closer to Jesus more than your greatest victory. Victories are great. I love them. I love when the Lord shows up in an amazing way. But I also know, Alex, the moment before the victory, when you can feel the very breath of God and and you have no idea, and he shows up. Wow. That's amazing. What does John notice? Guys, he notices a sharp sickle. Okay? What's he saying? Judgment is coming. 
Judgment is coming for those left on the earth, for those who didn't listen to the warnings, the angels, the preaching, the warning, destruction is coming. Guys, can you imagine? Our God throughout the ages has been mercifully, even today, warning those who are far from him. Even tonight, he's looking at you going, please, give your life to God. Please, surrender your life to God. Please, make that decision to be a, to be a disciple. And he's, and he's calling those to, who are far from him. He's doing that. And yet, now in the great tribulation, guys... People here continue to shake their fist at him. Doesn't that make you think for just a moment? You go, Ben, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, in the middle of the tribulation, there's going to be people who shake their fist at God and say, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. I want to do it, what? My way. I want my way. But by way of application... I wonder how many Christians do that to God in little ways. In other words, I'm going to follow God, but the only way I'm going to follow God is if he follows my rules, and and this is how I want things done, and this is how things should be. And in a lot of ways, we shake our little fist at God going, my way, God, I'll serve you if you do what... If, if, if you bless me, if you give me this, if you do that, I'll, I'll serve you if you do that. And I'm going, no, I wonder how many times my rebellious heart goes, I want it my way. In our text, guys, judgment is coming. And it's personally superintended by Jesus. Think about this. Jot this down. Scripture reference. John chapter 5, verse 22. He says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Do you guys see that? So we know that the Son is going to execute judgment. Verse 27. And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Let me say this as I plead to the church, as I plead to you watching online. If you're listening via podcast, I'm pleading to you. The word of God is real. The word of God is truth. Genesis to Revelation, it's truth. Okay? From Exodus to the very point that they they came out of Egypt, I mean to the very point where they crossed the Red Sea, the word of God is true. They found chariot wheels in the Red Sea. They found femurs. Somebody's, somebody's leg is there. It's, they found all of these things in there. And you go, now, here's what the skeptics say. Well, you know, it's the Red Sea. There have been some other wrecks, and there's been some crashes. And, I mean, this has been how many, how many thousands of years. But, but I'm telling you, the word of God is true. My question to you and my question to me, can we be truthful in church tonight? Do you believe it? Do you believe that the word of God is true? Because this is, if you do, it will affect the way you behave. If you believe the word of God is true, and if you believe, now here's, here's the thing. If the word of God is true, then he's coming back for us real soon. 
Any minute, we could hear the trumpet sound and we could be gone. But my question to you is, what are you basing that on? Like, what, where, how are you, how do you know for sure you're going to go? Well, pastor, I don't, I don't know. I might, I may not, I don't know. And I'm telling you, but the word of God is true. So if you truly believe it, and that's what the Lord wants us to do. You know, I think about the Lord and I think about people's mindset about the Lord, right? And, and I think oftentimes we have the perspective of Jesus being what? Meek and mild, right? Only meek and mild. Oh, Jesus, he just loved. God is so loved. But, but remember, those people will be quoting when all of this goes down. They're going to go, well, I thought God was love. But in this vision of Jesus, he destroys the idea of people that have Jesus only as meek and wild. I mean, he is. Now, here's what I want you to see. The first time that Jesus came, guess how he came? He came as a servant, okay? He came obediently and humbly. What did he come for? He came to seek and save the lost. Can I get an amen? That's where we come in. That's the first time. Now, here's what I wrote in my notes, and I think it's important. If you and I are called to mirror Jesus then we should have those same qualities. Okay? We should be servants. That doesn't mean, well, I just serve at church. I'm talking being servants. I'm talking we should be obedient to the word of God. I can think of a hundred different things to justify my sin, but none of it makes a hill of beans. Well, you don't understand. I did this because dot, dot, dot. Nope, it's sin. You were not obedient. Well, I did this because you did that. Well, you know what? Listen, when I was little, uh, they pinned my diaper so tight that this is why I'm this way. No, 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 no. Listen, it's sin. And God's calling us to be, well, this is the way I was born. That's why we're called to be born again. Because he's calling us to be open. He's calling us to be humble. And you guys are amazing. You're amazing. I was talking to Mike Shaw earlier and he was telling me, listen, the people who come here feel so loved. I mean, so loved. And we're humbled. But this is how we should be out there. We should be humble. All glory goes to God. You and I should be on mission to seek and share with those about the one who can actually save them. We should be on mission. Listen, it is so cool to do evangelism. Like Billy Graham is going to be coming to Amarillo, when, or, or Franklin Graham, sorry. And when he comes, hundreds of people come forward to the altar. That's amazing. Praise God. But you know what works too? Friendship evangelism. Talking to your neighbors and really sharing your heart. Let me just say this. 99.9999999% of them don't expect you to be perfect. But they expect you to be real. They expect you to be real. 
And this is what Jesus did. Now, this is how he came the first time. I want to mirror that. But the second time, guys, he's not going to come. He's going to come. He will be the sovereign king, the glorious majesty, and he will judge and sentence. That's what he's going to do. Okay? You understand that? Thank God you won't be here. Thank God I won't be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to see it. It scares me in the world we live in today, Mel. It scares me in this world right now. I could not imagine a world where the Holy Spirit is now taken off the Gentiles, where the restrainer is gone, and guess what? A world is left without God. Don't want God. Don't want to do it. Evil will reign. Listen, if the Holy Spirit lives in you and me, and he's, he's still restraining a lot of the evil, evil has reared its ugly head. We can see it. I wonder if people just choose not to see it. I wonder if people go, ah, no, same, same world. It's 2021. No, it's not the same world. It's not the same world. And God is calling every one of you here tonight to be, to be his ambassador. He's calling you here. He brought you here for this reason. He's calling you to make a difference. That's what he's here. That's, that's, that's what he's called you for. Well, it goes on in verse 15, or else we'll be here all day. Let's go in verse 15. He says, and another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Who is that? Jesus. Thrust your sickle and reap, for the time has come for for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust his sickle to the earth, and the earth is reaped. So the question is, why is he reaping? Well, the harvest of the earth is ripe. Now, here's what I want you to see in verse 15. The word ripe here can actually be translated overripe or overdue. Okay, the word ripe originally means this, jot this down, to become dried or withered, dried or withered. Listen, that's what's going to happen when the Christians are gone. The world, you are right now the light of the world. You are the salt. You guys, we, we provide all of that. But he says this, so the idea of the wheat or the grain harvest is because the harvest has become dried And remember this. Remember, this won't apply to the grape harvest. Okay? So let me give you some background on wheat. Tell me if this does not not match what we're going through today. Tell me. The wheat harvest is one of separation. This is what he's talking about, okay, at the end. Wheat, again, would be separated from the chaff. Okay? What happens to wheat, guys... Um, when it turns white, when it's overripe, okay? Then you look out and you see a bunch of white, it's, it's overripe. And even today, the world is overripe. It's overdue, it's rotten, it's withered, and judgment's going to come at the right time. Now, Jesus used the parable of the wheat and the tares that develops the theme that we're studying about here, the wheat and the tares, Okay? Now, for the sake of time, I'm looking at the clock. I don't have time to read this. You can read it in Matthew chapter 13, but you need to know that the wheat and the tear look exactly alike. 
the wheat and the tare. Tares look exactly like wheat. You go, what does that mean? In churches today, there are going to be people who come to church Sunday and Wednesday, Sunday and Wednesday, but they will not be a Christian. They will not surrender their life to God. It never blows my mind when people have been sitting under my teaching for years upon years will one day raise their hand to get saved. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I thought they were saved the whole time. But God did a special work in revealing their heart. I say, oh, I'm saved. The reason the Lord doesn't judge the church right now is because when you pull out tares, guess what comes out too? The wheat. So he says, no, 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 leave them there. Now, here's what I love about the word of God. It says it won't return void. And so when people come to church and they're not Christians, that's okay. Well, Ben, they're tares, but they're hearing the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will give them time to, hey, it's time to repent. It's time to give. And, and so what we need to do is we need to understand. Now, here's what we need to note the difference. You ready? When wheat ripens, guys... The full heads cause it to bow to the earth. When you see wheat, if you know it's ripe, it's bowing its head. Okay? When tares ripen, guess what happens to them? They stand straight up as tall as they can be. Really easy to spot in a church. Why? Because true Christians, as they mature, will be humble. Where other people will be proud. Let me ask you a question. You guys are amazingly smart. I don't know if you know this, but church is not about us. It's never been about us. Church is not about the programs we use or what we're doing or how we're doing or what we're doing for you. It's never been about that. Church is about Jesus, to come, to learn, to grow in him, to take what we learn here out into the world. But when a terror comes in, a terror says, well, listen, here's what I want. I want this and I want that. And how come you did this? And, And they're real prideful. People are humbled, listen to me, when they grow in grace and the knowledge of God. My point is, the older we get, and we were having this debate earlier today, the older we get, guys, the, the more graceful and humble we should be. Because that's us growing. Every, every June 15th, I'll text Soph and say, happy birthday. And he always texts me back saying, thank you. One year closer to Jesus. That's what he says, one year closer. But the point is, is that every year that we have a birthday should be one year, guys, that we walk closer and look more like who? Jesus. Jesus. Another difference guys, is the hot sun, um, it ripens wheat. The hotter, the better. Tares actually shrink in the hot sun. And guess what they do? They tend to hide behind the wheat. This is true. You go, what does that mean for me? In the Christian life, the hotter our trials the better or more useful we become. 
See, the trials, the tribulations, the suffering, all of these things that we go through, it helps us to learn to minister to other people. Right? Psalm 84, this is one of Nathalie's favorite, one of Nathalie's favorite psalms, but it's Psalm 84, 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, they make a spring and the rain also covers it with pools. That's a great verse. Why? Because what the psalmist is saying is that those that come behind you feel refreshed because of the spring and the rain. You're able to minister because you know what they're going through. You know what they're going through. When Nathalie had cancer six years ago and she was on chemo, she would walk around with the chemo port thing and want to minister to all others who were getting chemo at the time. And even today, and I remember there was one lady and Nathalie went up to her and said, hey, can I pray for you? And she was like not having it. And, and it was really sad. Because some of the things that we go through, church, listen to me, some of, some of your life experiences, God is preparing you to minister to other people. He's preparing you. And some of that preparation that you've gone through is just simply holding their hand and crying with them. But knowing that you've gone through it makes them feel better. You mean, I'm going to be okay? Can't be okay. You mean, I, it's not, yeah. Yeah, that's the difference, guys. Now, do I want to go through trials? No. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I, no, but I get it. Let me give you another difference real quick. When wheat ripens, guys, it, it, it ripens, um, it, it's ripening upward. It dies downward, Okay. As it ripens on the top, the stalk and the roots die. You understand that? Okay, so as it ripens, it's, it's, yeah. And so with us, guys, as we grow and walk with Christ, listen to me, we become less bound to the things down here on earth. Okay, the things that we're really, our our tent pegs are not that deep. We're like, meh, eh, we can take it or leave it. But see, that's maturity as, as Christians. Well, that's the grain harvest. Now, Jesus is going to talk real quick about the grape harvest. Look at verse 17. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar and had what? Power over fire. And he cried with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust your sharp sickle. Now, remember, he's talking about judgment. And gather the clusters of the vine on the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust the sickle to the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and the blood, notice, came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. You're like, wow. Now, this vision is different kind of harvest. This would be considered the grape harvest. Now, I want you to note the word ripe because it still means the same thing. It's overripe. It's ready to burst. That's what it means. If you've ever gone to the grocery store and you picked a grape, that's stealing. Well, I've got to try them. Okay? It's stealing. 
But uh, have you ever picked a grape where it's so ready to burn? It's so good. Oh, that was great. And then you buy grapes. It's not quality control. Now, consider this, guys. Consider um, these verses. And I want you to know in your mind four points, okay? Because we're going to see the wine press. We're going to see the angel. We're going to see the vine. And we're going to see the city. Let's break them down. The wine press. So the angel thrust the sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth, and he threw it into the great what? The winepress of the wrath of God, okay? The grape harvest in Israel took place from July to September. The whole community worked together. Nathalie, do you remember the winepress there in Nazareth? Yes, this, is, this was part of it. Put that picture that in your mind when we were in Nazareth. They would all work. They pressed a cistern dug out of the rock. There was actual, a, a, a well, it wasn't working, but it was a, a, a authentic winepress, and what they would do is they'd smash the grapes and it would go into, again, right, into the wine press. And basically, as they would jump and they would be put into the wine press, the people would sing and dance and they would trample and, and basically just trample them with their feet. That's how they did. They just smashed it and it would, it would go into this really cool thing. That's, that's the wine press. Now, why is this different than the, than the, the wheat harvest? Well, this is not a time of separation like that, right? All the grapes were thrown into the wine press. It wasn't, it wasn't the wheat and the tares, right? It was all of them, okay? And so he says, this is it. This is all of it. This is going down, okay? And he says, now, the angel, we talked about that. This is another angel came out from the altar. This angel comes from the altar. This guy has power for, over fire. And remember, in Revelation 6, the saints calling out from under the altar, not the church, and in chapter 8, the angel who cast the golden censer down to the earth. How long? How long? And here we see. Now, remember in the Old Testament, guys, twice a day in the ancient temple, the priest would put fire from the brass altar onto a censer and take it into the holy place and wave the censer. The rising smoke would represent the prayers of the saints while the priest did this with the people would pray outside the outer courts. Now you go, Ben, okay, why is this important? Because the judgment that comes will be a direct response to the prayer of the saints. This is what has to go down. This is what's happening. Then we see the vine, okay? This is the vine of the earth. The vine of the earth is reaped. In the Old Testament, the vine is the earth. In the New Testament, what is the vine? Jesus Christ, right? In this portion of scripture, the vine is the earth and the wickedness or the fruit of the earth. Okay? So I want you to think about all the stuff today that you feel is boldly evil. Okay? Where you see injustice. Right, All of the things that's just blatant evil. The very thing that you and I hold precious in our world today is being mocked. We hold the sanctity of life. It's being challenged. We hold the sanctity of marriage. That's being challenged. That's being mocked. Think about it. Well, one day through the prayers, Lord, you know what I've been praying I've been praying lately, Lord Jesus, all those, whether if they've lied in in this pandemic, all of those, Lord, call them out. 
I would love to see just a little bit of justice. Now, again, please forgive me because when it comes to me, I want mercy, but for other people, I want justice. But if they have deliberately lied to the American people where the American people have died from this horrible, horrible virus, I pray the Lord would just... Well, the Bible says your sin will find you out. Notice verse 20 again. And the winepress was trampled outside the city. Notice what it says, though. Ready? This is all of it. This is the, this is the battle, Alex. This is it. And blood came out of the winepress up to a horse's bridles. How long? For 1,600 furlongs. Or 1,600 furlongs, okay? So in this battle, we call it the Battle of Armageddon. But in reality, it really is a wipeout. You understand that, okay? There's not going to be, oh, wow, how long did the battle last? I mean, you guys know this, right? For some reason, we think that, that you get into a battle with God, and it's like, okay, I'm wrestling with God. You know what it is? You get, in, you get in the ring with God, it's like, ding, done. And I'm probably even slow on that. You know what I'm saying. So this is going to be a wipeout. But here's what I want you to see. When Jesus comes back to execute judgment... Guys, it's not going to last very long. And I know what Nathalie's thinking. She's seen the Valley of Armageddon. She's seen that valley. It's, it's going to be done quickly. But here's what the scripture says. In this battle, the blood, the blood is going to be, listen to me, four feet high. And it's going to be 180 miles long. Can you imagine? In this valley. Now, I was trying to think, um, if you've ever driven to New Mexico via Fort Sumner, that's how far from here to Fort Sumner it's going to be. That many miles. Four feet high. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of blood. Can you imagine? This is God executing judgment. Now, here's what I want you to see. Up until this point, guys, he's been very lenient. He's been very graceful. He's had so much mercy. He's been, he's been beckoning the people to come to him, to surrender their lives to him. And right now, the Antichrist and his minions and his demons and his, all of his stuff is going to show up at the, at the Valley of Decision, at the Valley of Jehoshaphat, at Armageddon and Megiddo, and it's going to be over quickly. Wow. It's not going to be a pretty, it's not going to be a pretty sight. The final and complete annihilation of the Antichrist and his followers. Wow. Now, let me be honest with you. You're sitting here and you're just kind of trying to process, but really, our minds can't conceive this even taking place. I mean, we just can't. We can't conceive. Think about it. You guys thought of Fort Sumner. You thought, okay, I've, I've got to go all the way to Littlefield. I've got to keep going to Clovis. Okay, past Clovis, keep going. That's four feet high full of blood. That's going to be huge carnage. Our brains didn't comprehend that. Four feet high? No. 
We can't conceive of the heart of man becoming so hardened and deceived that it would rebel against God to the extent of trying to stop establishing God's kingdom. Can you imagine a group of men and women lining up to fight God? And yet, that's what's going to happen. Now, let me close, okay? Let me close with this. We talked about two harvests this evening. Okay, we talked about the grain harvest. That's the separation. Everybody remember separation. And then the grape harvest, that's everybody in there. That's the final and utter judgment of God. Now, let's talk about what Jesus talked about, the harvest of souls. Okay, I'm going to have you do some homework too. Okay, there's a harvest of souls that's taking place today. There's a harvest of souls taking place today. As people every day all over the world are getting saved, they're joining family. This is our family. But the same thing is true in Jesus' day. Concerning the harvest, it's true today. The harvest is ripe, and the laborers are few. The fields are ripe for harvest, but there's not enough people harvesting the grain. You go, what does that mean? There's not enough Christians sharing their faith. It's not enough people, like Isaiah said, who will go to drastic measures to get the word out. There's not enough people who will run the risk of being ridiculed, rejected to their bare souls and their bare hearts to share the word of God. There's just not enough. There's not enough Christians with the attitude of Paul. What did Paul say? He viewed himself as a debtor to all men because what Christ did for him. Guys, we... Listen, please forgive me. I love you, but we, myself included, we need to drop the selfishness and we need to have the attitude of Paul. The conviction of Paul to really believe the gospel and it has the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. What does he say? I am not ashamed. Okay? So what should we do? What should we do? We need to get our eyes off ourselves. Our pains, our needs, our comfort, because there's a world around us that's going to hell. And some might be thinking, why would you study Revelation? Sure, it's a blessing. It's neat and interesting reason. But think of it. Most of us, because we want God to stir up our hearts to share. We're coming to this and we go, we need to share. We need to share. God, give me the boldness. I feel so bad at times, guys, when I, when I fall so short. Well, I should have said something. I should have... Yeah, but you know what, Amanda? Everybody in Lubbock saved. When I start to share, they, oh, I'm a Christian. But, but that shouldn't stop us. That we should be so sensitive. I'm reminded in the book of Revelation, guys, that the stakes are high and that I need to bore, be more like Isaiah and I need to share the truth. You go, how? Well, can I exhort you to do one thing? Let me share you how. You go, what should I do? Here's what I want you to do, guys. Make a list of five people's names on it that you know that don't know Christ. Make a list. Five people. Okay? And the first thing I want you to do is begin to pray for them. Pray that God would give you an opportunity to share with them and to lead them and, and, and Christians into their lives. Just start to pray. You, you, you have five people right now. You go, I know they don't know God. I know. I know. Second, 
pray that God would lift the blinders from their eyes. Lord, help them to see. Help them to see. Third, pray that God would arrange a lunch or a dinner or something so that you can share all that God has done in your life. That's what we need to do. We need to pray. We need to pray. I remember doing this, and one of the person that I prayed for on the list was my brother-in-law. And I so rejoiced when he got saved. And what a great opportunity it was to share and continue to share. But let me ask you, what five people do you know that you are not praying for? And you're not praying that, that God, let him see. Let him see. God, use me. Use me. It'd be great. It'd be great. Well, Ben, they don't live here. <laughs> well, then write him a letter. Well, nobody writes letters anymore. How cool would that be if you wrote him a letter? Hey, I just need to share with you. God, give me the boldness to do that. Amen? Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the, the soberness of your word, God. Wow. It's so deep, Lord, and, and it does remind us that, that you are going to execute judgment, Lord, on those that don't know you. But July 28th, 2021, you still are, are full of mercy and grace. So here's my thought, Lord. Maybe there's somebody here tonight, or maybe there's somebody watching online or maybe you're listening on the radio, or maybe you clicked onto the podcast, whatever it might be. And tonight, you realize that you've been sort of, sort of flirting with the world a little more. You've compromised your walk a little bit. And, uh, or, or you're actually tuned in and you're going, I don't know the Lord that way. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, dis- I, I want to give you an opportunity to join the family. And all you have to do is open up your heart and invite him inside. But your belief, your belief in him can't just be a general belief. It has to be one where you put your faith and trust in Jesus. It has to be one where you become a fully devoted follower of God, where you say, I'm going to be his disciple. I'm going to go out and I'm going to share. I'm going to do the work of the Lord. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, here's what you just need to do. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for taking you for granted. I'm sorry for being selfish. Today, I want to, I want to be used by you. And so I'm going to pray for the people that you've put in my mind. I'm going to pray for opportunities that I can share. I'm going to study your word so that I can share the way you want me to share. And I'm going to watch you work. But first and foremost, Lord, I want to be your disciple. I want to I want to feel you in my heart like never before. I want to feel the breath on the, the breath of God on my face. I want the Holy Spirit to guide me and move me. I want to know you like never before. 
And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.